0: Amen. Amen. Glad to have you here with us. Uh, if you're new, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here, and it's an honor to have you here. So, uh, we are in a series that we started. Uh, Brian and, and, and uh, Kimberly kicked this off last week looking at relationship refresh. And in a lot of ways, this is going to be a series that's kind of leaning or geared toward romantic relationships. And I know for some of you, like, man, just stop. I'm done romance is for dummies and maybe that's where you're at in your life whether you're single or you're single again and you're kind of sitting here and you're like relationships ugh, gag and maybe that's what you're feeling and i want to tell you that the reality is that you are in relationships okay it may not be the romantic kind yet and it may not be the romantic kind for a foreseeable future but the reality is i believe a lot of these principles that we looked at last week this week and next are gonna be applicable across the board uh, on all of your relationships, whether it's in the workplace, whether that's friendships, whether that's in family dynamics or wherever you are. But in some ways, this is gonna be kind of geared toward those romantic side of relationships. In fact, I wanna ask a few questions and you get to participate, okay? So thumbs up is yes, I agree with this statement. Thumbs down is I disagree with this statement. You ready? Here we go, one of them. Uh, Is it okay for the girl to pay after the first date? Yes, let's see the yes people. Uh, you should cheer a little bit for that, maybe, if you're yes people, OK. Uh, no people, traditionalists, you're like, no, the, I should do that. Anyone? No one does a no. OK. Wow. Maybe one person. OK. So next one, uh, should you make your significant other aware of how long it takes them to get ready? <laughs> yeah, single. OK, so um, yeah, Anyway. yes? Yes, okay, that, that's a conversation, maybe you tread lightly on that one, I don't know, how many know, like, did, you don't even touch that, no, don't even, okay. Um, <clears throat> this one, maybe a little odd, but uh, after three dates, is it okay to pass gas in front of each other? <laughs> like, what's the date quota? Like, is it five dates, is it like three dates, yes? <laughs> never? How many of you are never? You're never going to be in a relationship, look, <laughs> this is real, people, Okay, we may not like it and talk about it much, but it happens. Okay, is it a must that you have to alternate between who gets to choose the movie for movie night? How many of you say yes, we have to alternate. It's not just one person chooses. How many of you say no, uh, because I said yes to him and I married him, I get to choose all the time? (laughs) No? Okay. Good, okay, well just some simple questions to get you talking about it. Uh, maybe you'll continue conversations throughout the night with that, but uh, look, I know we have a bunch of singles here and I think it's awesome. In fact, I think that's one of the beautiful things about our church is that we have young professionals in, in college and high school that maybe romance isn't kinda on the horizon for you. <laughs> maybe you kinda take a de- detour for a little bit. Uh, whatever that is for you, and I think it's awesome. And I know, uh, how many of you seen the dating, like ads, like the dating site opportunities out there. I I found one for you. So maybe you're like the person that's like, no, I'm not interested in this at all but maybe you'll find this one helpful down the road. I I don't know. I don't know if you've seen this or not but it's Christian Tingle. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, Let's roll that.
1: My name is Rebecca Esther Sarah Bathsheba.
0: And I'm John.
1: And I found God's Match for me on ChristianTingle.com I joined Christian Tingle after going on over 50 dates on other online dating sites. I forgive you. Thanks. I never went on a second date um, after I mentioned that I was saving handholding for marriage.
2: So I joined the website, and as soon as I saw your picture, I thought, man, she is hot. Babe. Hey. Well, what? You are. When I saw her Facebook profile picture, I was like, I've always wanted a woman that's had the most devoted devotional ever devoted.
1: Honestly, I wasn't very attracted to him at first. I mean, I thought he was hot, but I was afraid that he was gonna be too into himself. When I saw his profile picture, everything changed. I was like, praise you, daddy, for showing me this man who is willing to be seen holding a third world orphan.
2: I was in Africa on a mission trip. Well, else would you go to Africa? There was this one little kid. He was actually the son of a guy that went with us here in Atlanta. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was Jason. Favorite pastor on three? One, two, three. David, David Platt. Platt. That was too easy. That was really um, easy. Okay. Favorite Sonic Flood song? One, two. Well, everyone only knows one Sonic Flood song. Right, right. Favorite secular band? Switchfoot. Switch <laughs> uh, this is real love. Tell them about the ceremony.
1: I think what we really wanted was a worship service.
2: We made sure that we had communion on the way in, we had communion on the way out, Yeah. we had communion during our vows. You know, obviously we didn't have a bar at the reception, so we had more communion. One thing most people don't know about with Christian Tingle is there's an app that you can get for your smartphone.
1: When we were dating, I mm-hmm. feel like the app was just It was a godsend.
2: When you keep it in your pocket, and you're on a date, it'll send an alert every time that your phone goes from portrait to landscape. Mm -mm -mm. If it wasn't for the father, the son, and the Christian Tingle, I wouldn't have met the love of my life.
1: If you're looking for someone to date other than Jesus, look no further than
0: ChristianTingle.com. Have you all seen that before? It's it's quite funny. There's a part two, but uh, I felt like part one was more appropriate. So anyway, but um, <clears throat> well, you could check out part two. So there's a lot, that is real, not really a date uh, site. So like you can go to ChristianTingle.com and you won't find anything. But um, although <laughs> maybe you want to create something. Uh, but the reality is relationships are a part of our life, and sometimes that's going to be romantic. Oftentimes, it's just across the board in how we deal with relationships, and as we came into this series, we wanted to look at this idea of how do you refresh those relationships that we all are going to have, and how do we keep those fresh? Because it's not always something that, that starts, I mean, because the reality is it's easy to fall in love, but tonight, I want to look at this idea of how do you stay in love? How do you enlarge love within your relationships, whether that's romantic or not? How do you grow love in your relationships? So so that's kind of where we're going tonight, and you can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. If you have that, all the notes are in there and the scripture passages that we'll look at. But we know it's really easy in our culture to fall in love. In fact, there's well over a thousand different sites, whether it's FarmersOnly.com or Tinder or just other kinds of opportunities for us to kind of fall in love. Our, Our culture spends a lot of energy on that. But we don't have a lot of resources and energy pouring into how do we stay in love? How do we cultivate love? How do we enlarge love within the context of our relationships? And when you are falling in love, listen, all you need is a pulse, okay? If you got a pulse, you can fall in love. That's the reality of it. If it's right time, right person, in right situation, or even you know where we're going. You can fall in love. And the truth is it, it's easy for that to happen. And when it's early on in the relationship, there's a lot of excitement that goes into that. I remember when uh, Amy and I were dating and I was getting ready to propose, and uh, here's what you gotta know, especially this, one, this tip is for free. Uh, gentlemen, if, if you're gonna propose someday, okay, and you're, you're gonna make your way there, or maybe you have and you're kinda looking back, uh, there are two questions that are gonna be asked of your uh, fiance, your wife, down the road is, one, let me, can I see the ring? Okay? And maybe you're poor and you can't afford like a big ring and the shiny rock and all that. Zirconium's good. Uh, so you could you could look for that and, and you could find things. Maybe that's where you're at and that's, you can't control that a whole lot. But you can control how you go about asking. I remember asking uh, her father for uh, the opportunity to ask her and, and for him to say yes and not shoot me and all that kind of stuff. So and he said yes. It was good. And then I remember the day. Like planning the day out. It was super fun. Like uh, I'm going to tell you kind of what I did, not that you would copy this, but that you would put energy into this. So I remember scheduling her with her boss to make sure that she was working. I was getting ready to leave out of town and uh, to move to take a job. And I was ready to, to kind of propose. And we kind of had already known that we were going to be fiance, but we hadn't really popped the question yet in particular. So I remember getting the key to her house. She thought she was going to work. I dropped her off late that night, woke her up in the morning, said, you have an hour and a half to get ready. I figured 90 minutes is enough time it was uh, for that day. And so 90 minutes, we got ready. We flew, uh, went, drove down to the airport, flew to California, rented a car, went out on a Coronado Island and proposed to the beach. She said yes, which made the rest of the day way cool because uh, it would have been really awkward if uh, she said no. So we, she said yes, we went through the whole day, had a great time, got sunburned because we had a convertible, I forgot, about, forgot the sunscreen, uh, flew back that night through Vegas, coming through about midnight, and I remember Amy looking at me saying, uh, i got to go to the restroom and fix my hair, and all that." Kind of. I'm like, who are you going to see in Vegas at 1230 in the morning? And like 30 seconds later, someone yells, Amy, and I'm like, really? Um, so anyway, we get back about three in the morning, back to her house type thing, and uh, Just a crazy 24-hour period day of a proposal. That was probably and still is the most romantic thing I've probably ever done. But you need to plan something, gents. Okay, that's the tip for free. Just letting you know. You got to plan this. You got to put some energy into it. And when you're falling in love, early on in love, energy is a big part of what you have. It's just part of who you are and part of what's going on in your relationship. And oftentimes, as relationships kind of go on, it's easy for things to to kind of wane in the energy level. There becomes a familiarity. Uh, Remember your first car that you ever got? The first car for you. And you remember how you would take care of it. Maybe it was the first car you ever bought and you actually invested all the energy and money and resources into buying it, and you took a lot of pride in it. In fact, you would make people remove their shoes and shake them off before they got into your car, right? You would, if you had kids, you would shower them off before they ever got into the car, right? And then over the years, just you became very familiar with that car, and you didn't take great care, it kind of maybe a little more neglect, and, and you were having Slurpees everywhere, and Slurpee fights inside, because it just changed. It changed. Maybe early on in your relationship, the reality is you have a lot of energy and you can pour a lot of energy into it and the responsibility level that you have is lower in life the younger you are. And yet the older you get, the higher the responsibility tends to come in the seasons of your life and the energy seems to go down, right? Can you name another thing in life that you can neglect and it gets better? Okay. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but I will give you bonus points for that. So that's true, that's maybe why Jesus changed water. In a while. Okay, so anyway. Um, so outside of that, you really can't think of a whole lot of things, it didn't happen to your yard. Look at my backyard, I neglected my backyard, it's now a natural preserve, okay? It, it doesn't get better if you neglect things. And so the reality is it takes a lot of pursuit to make relationships work. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of focus and intentionality to make that work, and and here's what I know. I know for some of us sitting in this room, I, I know you've worked hard on relationships, and I know uh, you sit here, and maybe there's even a, a twinge inside of your own life where you're like, Jack, I, I worked hard, and it didn't work out. And, and look, it's kind of what Brian and Kimberly were saying last week. This isn't Hollywood. The reality of life is that relationships, if you've walked life long enough, not everything works out exactly how you you planned, or not everything works out exactly how you dreamed. This isn't a Disney movie. This is reality of life. And when the Bible speaks about relationships, it speaks about this pursuit that we pour into them. Whether they're romantic, or whether they're work relationships, or friendships, or family relationships, relationships take work you can't just coast in them you can't drift in them they take a pursuit and a a part of of determination in our own hearts and when we're falling in love it's really easy and i think that's why our culture seems to focus on that a lot but our culture struggles when it comes to this idea of how do you cultivate, how do you enlarge love, how do you stay and grow love in the context of relationships? Do you know that the average wedding, the average wedding in our country will cost people $25,000. The average wedding, $25,000. And yet, I know couples uh, throughout the last 20 years who have invested way less than that to keep their marriage going or to keep their relationship going or to enlarge the love they have for one another. And the reality is you just see this pull in our culture that we're really good at starting, but we struggle with the resources of how to keep things going, how to grow in that love. And Jesus comes along, and he has some wisdom and some insights that we're gonna see throughout Scripture here, what Jesus' words to his early followers, as well as a couple other places where the Apostle Paul is writing about the context of relationships. And again, I want to say to those of you who are kind of singles, listen, singleness is not a disease. And I think in our culture and in the church culture, I want to apologize. Because I think in the church culture, sometimes we've communicated the reverse of that. We've communicated that singleness, uh, you're not quite where you need to be if you're still single. And yet Paul says that you can leverage your life for God in a way that maybe unlike me as a married guy can leverage and influence the kingdom. And so I want to say to you who are single, it is okay. You don't have to wait around in order to grow up or wait around in order to get better. I think God has some plans for you to do right now in the season that you're in and that you should enjoy the season you're in. And one day maybe that season will change and one day God will maybe direct that but it's okay for it to be the season it is right now. And I wanna make sure that we communicate that from a biblical perspective because I think sometimes in the church we've communicated the opposite. And I I apologize for that uh, because I don't want anyone to ever feel like they're less than. And so, when we look at Jesus here, in John chapter 13, if you have your Bibles, you can go there, Jesus is speaking to his early followers, and he comes along, and he takes this word love, and it's something very simple, very subtle, but incredibly significant. And here's what he says, you've heard this verse before, maybe taught even in a different context, here's what it says, a new command I give you. Now, Pause right there. Who gives commands in the Bible? God does. He gave 10 in the Old Testament, right? So in a lot of ways, this is Jesus coming along and he's again declaring his deity. He's more than just a good teacher, more than just a good prophet, dude. He's giving a command. This is a divine command. He says to them, love one another. Then he kind of unpacks that a little bit. As I have loved you, You are to love one another. You must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. You're my follower. You're kind of aligning your life with me if you love one another. A new command I give you, love as I have loved you. What's fascinating here is Jesus doesn't say, I want you to love people the way I've taught you to love. He doesn't say that. What's he say? I want you to love people the way I have loved you. Jesus very subtly takes a word that in that cultural context and understanding would have been often seen as a noun. Love, it's a noun. It's describing something. It's capturing something. And he shifts it. He kind of turns it on its ear a little bit. And he says, no, no, love is a verb. Any DC Talk fans? Come on. A couple of us oldies. Okay, Uh, love is a verb, he says. And you are to love people the way I have loved you. I have verbed love to you. Love is more than something you feel. Jesus says love is something you do. It's not just something you feel. It's a choice, it's an action, it's a decision of something that you do for someone. It's not just something the way you feel. It's not this context of, okay, uh, well, I have to feel loving in order to be loving. Our culture says that. Well, Jack, you don't understand, our relationship is kind of at this tension point because I don't feel love anymore. And I would maybe graciously ask you, so what have you done to love? Well, see, love isn't just a feeling that you have, in our cultural context, that's what it's preached to us. You gotta feel in love in order to then act loving. And the truth is, Jesus says, no, love's not a feeling. Love's a decision. Love's an action. Listen, love takes a lot of work. Healthy marriages, healthy relationships, healthy dating relationships, healthy friendships, Friends, they take work. They don't come fully assembled. It's not something that you just show up and it's gifted to you and all of a sudden it's there. We like that concept. And that's a feeling that you can have for a moment. You can have for a season. But if you don't work to cultivate that and to enlarge that and to grow that, It will dissipate, the feeling will fade. Why? Because it's easy to be loving when you're hopping on a plane to run to the beach to propose. It's another thing when you're changing diapers at three in the morning. Two different contexts. It's easy to feel love when you're out on a date. It's a totally different thing when you're sitting around the kitchen table trying to figure out how you're gonna pay bills totally different and the feeling will fade unless you decide I'm going to love you see it's more Amy needs more from me than just hey I love you and make a statement a noun she needs me to love her which is a verb it's active I need that in my friendships, I need that in my work relationships, I need that in every context of a relationship you have and you know deep down that you need that too. That's why some of your relationships work because there's work poured into them. It's why you've seen some of your relationships go sideways because you were willing to work but the other person didn't reciprocate that and you couldn't ever quite get it aligned up, right? You know this. It's this context that says, look, uh, maybe a principle I wrote was this, the foundation for staying in love or enlarging love in your relationship is to keep love a verb. It's to always strive that you have to keep love a verb in every context of relationship that you have because you don't want it to get to somewhere else or to begin to fade and the reality is it will if you don't pursue and work at this and to put action and decision behind it. Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 12. He says, your love must be sincere. It takes sincerity to serve someone. It takes sincerity to put their needs above your own. He goes on to say this, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another, where? What's he say? Above yourself. That is a foreign concept in our culture. It just is. In our cultural context, who we love most is ourself. Myself included. It's so easy to drift there. It is so easy for that to become the love of my life is my needs and my wants. That's why I love, when it's not a noun, it's a verb, it takes action. And when it takes action, what Jesus is saying, what Paul is kind of emphasizing, is look, like the focus has to shift off of yourself, your own needs, your own wants, your own desires. It's not that you can't have those, it's not that those are bad. It's that when in a relational context, in order for this to work, you've gotta almost kind of seek the other person's best before your own but here's the benefit is if you aim your life at that and the other person aims their life at the same thing who wins both of you both of you if i'm seeking to put amy's needs above mine and to serve her and if she does that for me then we both win and the relationship enlarges in love and grows, and we can work at staying in love. That's why this is work. That's why the scriptures kinda come and say, look, this is not an easy thing. In fact, in, in Ephesians chapter five, we may get to this next week, in Ephesians chapter five, uh, Paul talks about this idea of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Often what people read is Ephesians five twenty-two, which says wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord and people use that verse out of context because they forgot to read the verse right before it that says submit to one another out of love for Christ, out of reverence for him. That it's this mutual submission and as people aim their life at doing that, then they win. I tell people all the time when I'm doing couples counseling, getting ready for marriage counseling or to do weddings, is uh, I'm in the marriage business, not the wedding day business. I want you to have a great day I want it to be awesome and off the charts, better than expected. But the reality is I want you to wake up 25, 30 years from now and be able to look each other in the eye and say you're the best decision I ever made. I want that for people. I want that for you. I want that for me. Because you won't get that if the reality is, okay, I'm gonna get married so that it's a 50-50 thing. I'm gonna get married so that this person will help meet my needs. And I'm gonna let them know what my needs are. I'm gonna get married so that they meet my expectations. And maybe hopefully even exceed them. See, when you approach marriage like that, no one shows up on an altar and says, I kinda. (laughs) Maybe, sorta. They say I do. And the problem is in our cultural context, what we understand to be contracts is that contracts can be broken then when verizon isn't holding up their end of the bargain and i'm tired of, tired of dropping calls or then i can go to them and say look i'm going to buy you out cuz i'm going to go to this other vendor because i think they'll be better than you and this isn't to say guilt or shame to anyone this is the reality of relationships they're messy they're hard, they're challenging, they're difficult. They're full of joy and full of beauty, and they're amazing, but they are challenging at the same time, right? Whether that's romantic or work relationships or friendships or family relationships, the reality is relationships take work. They take energy. It takes seeking to honor one another above yourself. And when I put your needs, when I mutually submit to your needs, and seeking your best, and you do that for me as well, Then, well then we both win. And we're both better, and love can grow and enlarge. Um, we all kind of have, I was thinking this week, we all kind of have an emotional love tank. Every single one of us here needs love. We all crave it, we desire it, and we all have this emotional love tank, and what we want is for that love tank to be full. We want it to be filled up, and how you get to that is that you seek to fill the other person's love tank, and that you speak into them, and as you do that, they will hopefully reciprocate that back, and it's not a a commitment or a a contract of 50-50. It's, I'm 100% in for your best, and as you're 100% into my best, we both win, and we both help each other. Um, I don't know if you've ever, one of the books I have couples read, oftentimes, is the, the Five Love Languages. Gary, uh, is it Gary Smalley that wrote that, I think? Chapman. Thank you. Gary Chapman that wrote that. Um, anyone ever read this? Raise your hand real high if you have. Um, this is a great book. Uh, it's simple, it's kinda, it's written back in the, the 70s. Um, it, it's really, really classy and cool. It kinda names five different love languages that you may have. And I'm gonna walk through them a little bit so you can kinda get a taste of what this is. And here's what I want you to think for you. I want you to think about, okay, what's, what's your love language? And then I want you to think about maybe a key relationship you have. Maybe it's a friendship that you have. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your significant other. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a work relationship. I want you to think about, okay, what, what might theirs be? What might their love language be? I kind of list through five. One is this receiving gifts that maybe part of your love language is that you love it when people just give you things. And it isn't like they just give you like a BMW. We're not talking like that kind of gift because everybody loves that, Okay but we're talking about like maybe they made you something. Maybe it's even an ugly something, but they made it for you and they give it to you and you're not, you don't have the impulse like, oh great, um, like it actually genuinely warms your heart that people took thought of you, thought about your likes, your dislikes, thought about something, and they went out of their way to actually purchase something, buy something, make something, and they gave it to you, and it kind of warms your heart. How many of you people, uh, you're like that, okay? Receiving gifts, that might be one of your love language, okay? Look, raising, oh, this is, I know this is tough to raise your hand because you feel like, well, I'm a materialistic person then. No, you're not a materialistic person, okay? It just means that this is something that kind of feeds you. It warms you up, it kind of, it's life-giving to you. So maybe receiving gifts is something that is, is meaningful to you. Maybe the second one is this, a uh, quality time. You're people who love to spend time with this other person you're thinking of and you don't have to be doing anything. You just love being around them. You just love the context of saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go into this idea of just being, we're gonna do chores, we're gonna do errands, we're gonna do something together. And maybe this warms your heart and it, it blesses you. How many of you are quality time type people you think? Okay, Maybe you'd be thinking of this other person, are, are they that? Maybe acts of service. You love it when someone does something for you. Maybe you have a long list of errands that you need to run and your significant other calls you and says, hey, I ran by that, uh, that store and I picked that up for you and I just wanted to let you know you don't have to do that. And you're like, you're like wow, you're awesome. I don't have to, I can mark that off your to-do list. How many of you are kind of acts of service? You like when people do something for you, okay? A few of you, okay. Uh, maybe words of affirmation. Maybe you're a person who's just wired in a way that when someone gives you an affirming, encouraging word, that just pours so much into you. It blesses you in so many ways. 75% I read this study uh, this week uh, from this book called... Uh, Let's see, Surprising Secrets of Happily, mar- of happily Married married People. Um, and it's a long book title, but here you go. 75% of all women love it when their spouse or boyfriend just text them or email them to say, hey, I'm thinking about you today. Okay, gentlemen, that's a very simple thing to do, okay? Um, <laughs> 76% of women love when their significant other says you're beautiful. They just love that. This is words of affirmation. Again, super easy to do, gentlemen. Okay, 72% of husbands love it when their spouse says, You did a great job at, and they kind of, you did a great job mowing the lawn. You did a great job of, you know, building that, uh, that thing for our house. You did a great job of shopping. You did a great job blowing the dishwasher. I don't know. Um, you did a great job at something. Husbands love it when they hear that. So words of affirmation are something that you can pour into someone else. The fifth one here is physical touch. Do you know the average human being loves and craves hugs 13 times a day? I read that. I don't know if that's true. 13 hugs a day? I mean, at church, I get a lot of hugs on Sundays, but uh, I don't know. And the average person, they say the average hug lasts 9.5 seconds. <laughs> Let's count that out, okay? One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That is a long hug, don't you think? I don't hug anybody that long except Amy. And after seven seconds, I'm thinking this is going somewhere, okay? So (laughs) 9.5 seconds, that's a long hug. And don't be coming up to me after the service trying to hug me for nine seconds. You're just creepy, okay? Um, 82% of women say it pleases them when their boyfriend or husband just kind of takes their hand as they're walking into a theater, as they're sitting in church. As they're sitting in church. As they're sitting in church. Q, okay, just trying to help you out. Um, Listen, here's, I'll close with this. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We often use this verse in like the language we use and the speech that we use, but I want you to catch what is helpful for building others up, listen, according to whose needs? Their needs, according to their needs. Listen, your love language, you know it because you speak it. There's a principle here, biblically speaking, that says there's a fundamental expectation that when you're in a relationship that you will know the other person's needs. You won't just make life about your own. And so the invitation and the challenge for us to refresh our relationships is to say, I'm going to learn to speak another language. For some of you, um, maybe physical touch is like part of your love language. And so you try to give hugs all the time to your significant other, to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend, whatever it may be. And their love language is not physical touch. And you've tried for five years to hug them 13 times a day and you feel more and more distant. It's because you're speaking your language, not theirs. And maybe the challenge for us to refresh our relationships is to say, look, I'm gonna make love a verb. I'm gonna pursue it. I'm gonna try to enlarge the love in all of my relationships. I'm gonna put action to it. And I'm gonna learn to speak a different language that as I seek their needs, as I seek to build them up according to their needs, that it may benefit them. Listen, as you aim your life at doing that and hopefully the other person does the same, well, then you both win. And so relationships can become very refreshing even if you feel like they've become stale or stagnant. The reality is this is what Jesus did for us. And so as we turn to a time of communion, as we get ready to sing a couple songs here to close in worship, and, and then I'll give us a couple closing announcements, but this is what we see in the gospel. That Jesus wasn't content to just tell us about love. Hey, I love you. No. He said, I'm, I'm gonna come show them how much I love them. And so he put on a body. And he came and he lived the perfect life that you couldn't live, that I couldn't live. And he gave his life as a ransom for your brokenness and your sin and my brokenness and my sin, that we might have relationship with God again through faith in him. That his resurrection cashed God's check, that it cleared, and that life with God is now available through faith in Jesus. That he wasn't content just saying, hey, love is a noun, and I'll just write them something, I'll tell them something. I'm gonna come and show them how much they're loved. We're the benefactors of that. We get to lean into that. And now we get to be fueled up to be people who share that kind of love with the world that's aching for that kind of love. Into our relationships that seek and desire and need that kind of love. And so Father, I pray that tonight, as we take communion here, as we set aside a few seconds to lean into that, as we worship you in song here to close out the night. Father, you want every one of our relationships to be refreshed, to, be, to have vitality to them, not to be stagnant or stale. That, God, that takes work. It takes energy. It takes focus. I pray that you would help us to be people who love with action and not just words. That we keep love a verb and that as we seek to serve one another, that we would put their needs, we would learn to speak their language best as we invest in them. That we would also be receivers as they invest back into us and we're blessed. We thank you for the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ who put on dramatic display, the ultimate display, that love acts, it cares, it gives, it sacrifices, it gives 100% all in, whether we ever love you back or not. And now we get to love because you first loved us. As we hold that bread, as we take that cup, we remember, as we sing these songs, would you allow our love to flow and to be a choice in a decision to reflect back to you how much you mean to us. We ask that in Jesus' name.